Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you again for joining us on the program, and thanks for your uh, encouraging words and comments, your letters and cards you've written to us. And, uh, you know, uh, your, your positive response really has encouraged my heart to continue teaching on this. I, I know we're saying some things that are different than probably others are offering. Our, our posture with it is not really to fight with anybody else, but just to let you know that there's an alternative to some of the scare and fear and stuff that's really not panning out over and over and over again that uh, sometimes can be offered from uh, folks who I believe are probably well-meaning people and probably love Jesus as much as I do. But, uh, you know, I, my whole life I was raised in classical Pentecost. I didn't even know that there was an, even a possibility that was an alternative to any of these uh, end-of-the-world stuff. But something in my spirit never settled right because I knew there had to be a future somehow for me. And, I, you know, the God that I knew, this gospel of grace, and once, especially once I started preaching the grace of God, I started thinking, you know what? A whole lot of stuff. We're, we're declaring uh, grace and we're declaring mercy and that God's not angry and He satisfied all of His wrath on Jesus. But somehow in the back of our minds, our eschatology doesn't fit that paradigm because uh, we're saying God's not mad, but what we're really saying is God's not mad for the next couple of years, but He's really bowling on the back burner. And after a little while, He's really going to get mad, and then all hell's going to break loose. But what we're showing you is how the eschatology of grace fits and shows you that even much of the scriptures in the New Testament that are dealing with coming wrath, we're dealing with what would happen in 70 A.D., well, from probably 66 A.D. to 70 A.D., and the final catastrophes that would come upon apostate Israel and that would come upon this covenant people uh, because they did not keep their end of the covenant bargain because God gave them every opportunity to repent and to come out and to receive the blood of Jesus, to receive their Messiah, to receive redemption uh, from the curse of the law. And so many of them did not, and because they did not, I could say it like this, put blood on the doorpost of their house, uh, they got all the plagues of Egypt that God promised them would happen to them if they didn't keep all the words of this law that all the plagues of Egypt uh, would come upon them. We're showing you how they absolutely were completely fulfilled in the first century in apostate Israel. I mean, so many ways we've shown you that you've got to at least take a look at this and say, man, there's at least a good possibility that what this man is saying is true. We're not using USA Today, we're not using CNN, we're not using news to interpret the book of Revelation. We're interpreting the book of Revelation using the rest of the Bible, using the prophecies that foretold of this, showing you how they fit hand in glove, dovetail perfectly and perfect fulfillment, just like Jesus and the prophets said it would. What we've done is we showed you we're going to go this time, in this particular segment, we've already dealt with three trumpets. If you've missed any of the segments, you can go back to YouTube and watch them. They are archived there for your enjoyment and pleasure, as well as our iTunes uh, podcast. We'll have the audio of it. Uh, you can go back and watch them. But we've been dealing with uh, these trumpets are not fat babies with wings that step on a cloud. This are, these trumpets we showed you in former segments are dealing with the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets was announcing the Day of Atonement or a Day of Judgment that was coming. Uh, when the trump trumpet would sound on the first day of the seventh month, they had ten days. And that 10-day period was a time of afflicting the soul and a time of, of literally uh, coming into repentance. Uh, 
this season, I believe, could be identified out of the book of Revelation where to the second church, he said, you will have tribulation for 10 days, but be faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. I believe that this day of atonement that's coming, and we'll see this when we get even later in the book of Revelation, because the seven bowls of blood are the fulfillment of the day of atonement. I see these seven trumpets and these seven vials of blood dovetailing. It's not like they are necessarily chronologically in order. They're more like a kaleidoscope. They're all happening at the same time. These are the judgments that were being poured out upon apostate Israel from 66 AD to 70 AD when we saw how the fulfillment of the first and second trumpet already dealt with fire, brimstone being poured out. And we showed you how they connect to uh, the spit city that in Revelation 11, verse 8, it says, uh, our Lord was crucified in the city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. Our Lord was not crucified in Sodom or in Egypt. Our Lord was crucified in Jerusalem. But the Spirit made a direct connection from uh, those cities because in our minds and in the minds of the Jewish believer, those were cities that would receive the judgment of God and the plagues of God. Uh, and so with this apostate people in Jerusalem, Jesus said to them, if the miracles that were done in you would have been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have been repented long ago. And the truth of it is, he said it would be more tolerable for them in the day of judgment than it will be for you. So uh, while you see the judgment being poured out on that natural Sodom and Gomorrah years ago, what he's saying to them is, hey, the things that you understand about that is a judgment that's coming upon this apostate people because you've literally crucified your Savior. You've rejected the blood of this spotless lamb. You're not receiving this redemption. You're not receiving this new covenant. So God was bound to keep his end of the covenant bargain according to the book of Deuteronomy where you would be fed with the wormwood of gall and bitterness and waters and plagues and death and all of the things that you see happening in the book of Revelation are perfectly fulfilled that you read in Deuteronomy chapter number 28. So as we continue to unfold these trumpets, uh, Revelation 8 verse 12 is dealing with the fourth trumpet. It says in the fourth trumpet, uh, the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel fly through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpets, of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. So, uh, you know, as you begin to see these woes, this angel is announcing a judgment uh, under the operation of the fourth trumpet. Now, this fourth trumpet fits perfectly, again, with what God said in Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 through 23, where he said, this is, I, I put this, this is compared with the ninth Egyptian plague of a thick darkness. This imagery has long been used by providence to depict the fall of nations and rulers. These are also, when you see sun, moon, and stars being shaken, fallen, they're also, uh, these, these are symbols to depict the fall of rulers. But especially of natural Israel, it's found its fulfillment in the book of Joel chapter 2. And in Acts chapter number 2, also Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days the sun will be darkened, the moon will be turned into blood, and the stars will fall from heaven. Peter didn't say this is what's going to happen in the year 2015. He said this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now let me go ahead and tie this other trumpet in, this fifth trumpet with this one, uh, 
uh, uh, the fifth trumpet sounds in chapter 9, verse 1, and says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should to be tormented for five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he strikes. Now, I think these are powerful images again. Uh, you know, it goes on to say then in the sixth verse, In those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death will flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle on their heads, were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had the hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men. Note this, and I'm going to deal with this specifically, to hurt men for five months, five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is in the Hebrew tongue Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue uh, hath his name Apollyon, which literally means a destroyer. And one woe is past, and behold, there cometh two more woes. Now I put in my notes, the first woe can be compared to the swarms of locusts, which came upon Egypt in the eighth plague, and you can find that in Exodus chapter 10, verse 12 through 15. But I also want you to note and put in your notes that at the Red Sea crossing of the covenant people, it was repeatedly, that Red Sea crossing was repeatedly likened uh, to the, a passage through the abyss or the bottomless pit. This word sea, many places, is the same word that's translated uh, in the book of Revelation as abyss. But in Psalms, and, and for my reference, that you can see where it was constantly compared. This Red Sea crossing was constantly uh, compared to uh, this abyss, if you will, or this bottomless pit. Uh, you can read that in Psalm 77, 16, Psalm 106, verse 9, and Isaiah 44, 27. And I put in my notes, the Red Sea was where the Egyptian army was swallowed up. This imagery in the book of Revelation looks like it is the releasing of these armies who have been bound from attacking God's people to release the armies to now attack them. Compare this with the army that Joel prophesied about. In other words, this, in other words, when they came up out of Egypt, God opened the Red Sea, they came over on dry land. As soon as the enemy came into it, the Egyptian army is saved, or the army that pursued them, the pursuing army, is the moment they came into the Red Sea, the abyss, if you will or the Red Sea closed about them. I think that's powerful. You find that later, you know, later in the book of Revelation, there's a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those that got the victory over the beast and the number of his name are found. And uh, the moment they come up out of that Red Sea, they sing the Song of Moses. The Song of Moses was the song that they sang immediately 
after they came up out of the Red Sea and the horse and his rider had been thrown into the sea. And I promise you as they look back at that Red Sea, remember it's a Red Sea, that when they look back at that Red Sea, that these horses that were being drowned looked like they had blood to a horse's bridle. It was a Red Sea crossing. And uh, when they came up out of the Red Sea, they sang the song of Moses in Revelation chapter 15 and 16. They sing the song of Moses immediately after there's a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that got the victory over the beast. I believe that these Roman hordes of armies that are being released are what he was saying. He makes the comparison. Let me see if I can make some sense of this. When he was delivering them from Egypt, the sea closed about these armies. God delivers His people. In this particular season, these hordes of armies are being released against Jerusalem. Not only these hordes of armies, they're coming up out of this, this Red Sea. Listen, it is almost as if these uh, the, uh, armies are being released, and they are being released. And they have an angel over them who is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name means destroyer. They are coming to destroy natural Israel and apostate Israel. I'm telling you, uh, you ought to get encouraged about this because a lot of the stuff we think about Armageddon coming in our future, battles in the future. I know there's some stuff going on in the Middle East and I'm very sympathetic to that and I appreciate our allies there and that I don't want to downplay the importance of what's going on there. But I'm telling you that this battle that he's talking about here is not out in the future. That battle happened and occurred when the hordes of these armies came up against Israel to destroy its city, its gates, and absolutely plundered and fulfilled everything that was uh, promised to them under the covenant agreement of Deuteronomy. All these curses would come upon you. It would, it would cause famines, wars, earthquakes. All of the stuff that He promised them came upon them. Look at these. Look at just, you know, just the descriptions. Uh, as we read in, in Revelation about what their, their breastplates was of iron, their wings like the sound of chariots running to battle. They had tails like scorpions. They, they uh, you know, uh, they were like locusts coming upon the earth. If you read that, listen, again, again, the prophet Joel prophesies. This is chapter 2, book of Joel. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes. It's night hand. A day of the Lord was always depicted in the Old Covenant as a day of judgment and catastrophe upon a rebellious house who'd gone back to idolatry and everything else. And he said, sound an alarm, the day of the Lord cometh, for it's not hand. It's a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. See, if that's not a fulfillment of these things that's happening under these trumpets of darkness, and, uh, you know, men gnawing their tongues for pain, and thick darkness upon it, it's a fulfillment of this prophecy in the book of Joel. And again, Peter connects the dots to this when he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So he could see that there's a coming judgment coming upon a people who are not hearing the alarm or hearing these trumpets of warning. Remember, these are trumpets. Somebody's blown an alarm. They're sounding. They're trying to tell the people, repent, change your mind, turn back to God, receive this new covenant, receive this new wine, receive what he's offering you. It goes on to say that there's a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds, a day of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there's not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devours before them. Behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the Garden of Eden. 
before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. Look at this. I mean, make this comparison, man. The appearance of them is the appearance of horses. And as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of the mountains shall they leap, like the noise of the flame of fire that devours the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Before their faces the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. They shall march everyone on his way, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another, and they shall walk everyone in his path, and they shall fall upon the sword and shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb upon the wall. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. That is in fulfillment of Jesus saying to them in Thessalonians, for the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night when they say peace and safety, then comes sudden destruction. The destruction of the attacking hordes of Roman armies that was coming, that there was never an army like, was now coming upon them, and it was in complete fulfillment of these scriptures. The earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Can you see the absolute comparison of these trumpets with the book of Joel, almost exactly parallel? And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army for his camp, is very great, for he is strong that executes his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can abide it? See, in these trumpets, when these trumpets sounded, it was literally the Lord uttering his voice. God, all through the scripture, would use the armies of heathen nations to chastise and bring judgment upon his people. He would bring it upon them. He was bringing a judgment upon his people because of their rebelliousness and their inability to respond uh, to uh, what was going on. And what I think is interesting, and I, I, I want to read to you also something here and just a little bit from, uh, uh, from, from uh, the uh, book of, uh, let me see, I've got my notes all messed up here, but uh, from the book of uh, Joel, chapter 1, verse 4. Let me read this to you from the Amplified Bible because it says, this is, this is chapter 1, verse 4. He said, what the crowing locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust left, the stripping locust has eaten. Remember, he tells you these hordes of armies are like locusts devouring everything that's in their sights. And then he says, Awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the fresh, sweet juice of the grape, or the new wine, it is cut off from and removed from your mouth. In other words, you've rejected the wine of the Holy Spirit. Now it's cut off. Now you're drinking the wine of the wrath of God. Verse 6 says, For a heathen and hostile nation of locusts, this is the Amplified Bible, illustrative of a human foe has invaded my land, mighty and without number. Its teeth are the teeth of a lion, and his jaw teeth is the teeth, jaw teeth of a lioness. That's in fulfillment of Revelation 9, verse 7 and 8. It laid waste my vine, a symbol of God's people. That's what the Amplified Bible actually translates in the book of Joel. It laid waste my vine, symbol of God's people, and barked and broke down my fig tree. Remember, we talked about him cursing the fig tree in the last segment and uh, removing the mountain. And the mountain was the holy mountain of Israel. And it was the mountain of law and legalism that burned with fire. It has made them completely bare and thrown them down. Their branches are made white. Lament like a virgin. Uh, 
lament like a virgin bride, girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth, in fulfillment of uh, lamenting like a virgin being Matthew 25. There were wise virgins and foolish virgins. But what was happening was that she was realizing that, hey, uh, she had missed the marriage and was about to miss her covenant agreement. I'm telling you, to me, these are absolutely powerful images that show me, again, the 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 hordes of the Roman soldiers that had come upon the land. This is so descriptive. And so alike what's happening in Romans, or not Romans, the book of Revelation that is fulfilled. And even to the point where, uh, you know, when I looked at this, it said that they would, they would, they, that, that out of the smoke would come these locusts upon the earth. We read that in the book of Joel. Unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. It was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only the men that don't have the seal of God in their forehead. Those that have the seal of God in their forehead are those who receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. They're the ones that were sealed in chapter 6 and 7. To them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented for five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when, a, when he strikes a man. Now, I, I, was, I, I was looking at this five months and researching it. I begin to find out from the, my source for this is the Days of Vengeance by David Shilton. But it says, uh, this may refer to, in part to the actions of Gessius Florius, the procurator of Judea, who for five months, beginning in May of 66 A.D., with the slaughter of 3,600 peaceful citizens, terrorized, terrorized the Jews deliberately, seeking to incite them to rebellion. He was successful. Josephus states the beginning of the Jewish war was from this occasion. And I'm telling you, when you, when you, if you would read, if you go back and you read into the writings of Josephus, this famine and this torment became so difficult. Uh, yet still men did not repent of their ungodly deeds, which they had ungodly uh, committed. And it just so fits perfectly this. Now let me read the sixth trumpet. It says, And the sixth angel sounded, I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Now remember that the prayers of the saints are, that are coming from this altar asking to be avenged, that this response of a trumpet comes from these prayers. In response to Matthew 23, where he says, The blood of all the martyrs are, uh, will come upon this generation for the blood of Abel to the blood of Zacharias. It says that, uh, that the sixth angel sounded, there's a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen was 200,000, thousand, I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on having breastplates of fire and jathoth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were the heads of lions and out of their mouth issued fire, smoke and brimstone. But these, by these three was the third part of men killed by the fire, by the smoke and the brimstone, which issued out of their mouth for their powers in their mouth and their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents that had heads, and with them they do hurt. I put these are simply symbolic of the attacking hordes of the Roman soldiers that were described by the prophet Joel and were in fulfillment of Jesus' own words when he warned them that it would be more tolerable for Sodom and the day of judgment than it would be for them, and that it would rain fire and brimstone and destroy that city. And he says, remember Lot's right wife. In other words, don't go back. That city was going to be destroyed. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, 
that they should not worship devils and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which neither can see nor walk, neither repented of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thefts. So this happened to all of those who did not repent of their ungodly deeds, which they had ungodly committed. And these hordes of armies that are coming, I mean, in the mind of the Jew, all of this imagery that's being spoken of in the book of Revelation is not new concepts. They understood this language. They could quote verbatim many of these things that were happening. So when they saw uh, these rivers drying up and the river Euphrates giving way to these armies, it was a reminder of the attacking hordes that over and over through their history, if you ever go back and read the wars of the Jews by Josephus, it was constant war because of their apostasy and their rebellion. And yet for some reason, these people did not repent and did not receive it. I'm telling you, the trumpets were sounding. The Day of Atonement was announcing the day of the Lord is at hand. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm of the holy mountain. There was about to be released an army that had the appearance of locusts, had stings in their tails, and the, the bellowing cannons of the sulfur and brimstone that fought, shot from their cannons and their armories and the things that was coming and the things that burnt uh, upon uh, their cities and the things that destroyed their city, the fire that came and literally burned Jerusalem to the ground. I'm talking about where they dismantled rocks, pried them apart, where one stone would not be left upon another, was perfect fulfillment of what Jesus declared would happen in Matthew 24 when he said, not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. It's perfect fulfillment in both these trumpets and in the vials of blood. We are out of time. We'll deal with the seventh trumpet in the next segment. Uh, but I want you to tune in. Take a moment to call that number on the screen. So seat in the ministry if you can. Get behind us. Become a partner with our ministry today. Uh, if you can't, then you can sow one-time seed. We appreciate what you do to help us. You can also send it via uh, the mail through the address that will be on the screen in a moment. Thank you for joining us. God bless you is our prayer. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.